Hey, Mike. Hi, Caleb. How are you this evening? I'm doing well. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm apparently a little overly energetic. I, I apologize for that. Uh, how's it going? Good, good, I just good. asked you that already. Wait a minute. Oh, what are you drinking tonight? I'm just drinking a gin and tonic. I just got back from a trip, so I didn't have too much in the house, but whipped up a quick gin and tonic. I did have one lime left. It still had juice, so that's what I'm oh, drinking. God. What it's about been your... sitting there the whole time? It's, it has. Ten days. Still good. A well-aged lime. I'm sticking by it. Yeah. What about you? Uh, tonight, in, uh, in honor of uh, our format and our uh, theme, I am drinking a menage a trois. Oh, uh, yes. It's a rum uh, brandy and some vermouth uh, from the PDT book. It is uh, quite nice. Uh, and it uh, relates to the fact that uh, we will be talking about the Model 3. And drum roll, we have a third Brrr. person. It, we well, do. Wow. Sound effects. Trevor, sound effects. Yeah. Trev Page from the Model 3 Owners Club uh, is here. And uh, we're excited to have him on the podcast and join the conversation since there's a lot of uh, Model 3 news uh, to discuss. Welcome. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on the show. What do you? Yeah, and what are you drinking tonight? Well, uh, my libation of choice this evening is a diet Pepsi. However, uh, in light of the the show topics and stuff, I'm drinking it out of a martini glass. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy. Class it up. All right. I was expecting like a, a Labatt's Blue or something. No, shaken nut stirred. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Don't want to get rid of all that uh, CO two. Um, cool. So, um, yeah, Trev, can you run us through? sort of what's happened in the past week or so and what what happened with this giant Elon tweet storm almost a year to the day of the uh, Model 3 unveil. The timing is rather surreptitious, do we not? Think? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's almost like it's a second reveal. Well, yeah. Well, technically third, if you want to put it that way. Sure. Um, well, I think it kind of started when uh, somebody was asking Elon, you know, some questions about the Model 3. And uh, Elon had uh, tweeted out that he said that, uh, you know, people are erroneously thinking that the Model 3 is the next Tesla in terms of technology. And he said, well, not really. It's just a cheaper, more affordable, you know, simpler Model S, Junior, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that uh, Model S was going to continue as being the technology leader. And he said, well, basically think of it as like a, a version 4. So having said that, um, you know, very shortly after that, someone said, well, can you give us, uh, you know, a little bit of new information on the Model 3? And then uh, Elon basically said, well, how about a video clip of the first production candidate test drive? Well, of course, the Internet blew up at that point when he posted the, <laughs> the mm -hmm. video. <laughs> um, and best, then, of course, best Twitter traffic day of the month, probably. Oh, can you imagine? Um, yeah. So it really took off from there. Of course, I was following the tweet storm as I was going. So, you know wearing my fingers down to the nubs, tweeting and trying to keep uh, track of what was going on. So, yeah, obviously we got a lot of information out of Elon this time. Um, I think probably the most amount of information um, in, in quite a long time since uh, shortly after the reveal last year. And apparently he was on a plane, or his private plane most likely, over to Cape Canaveral for this big SpaceX launch they have in a couple of days. So he had, a, he had some rare spare time and also clearly satellite internet on his airplane to uh well, to tweet away i'm sure elon spares no expense yeah <laughs> so do you uh, do you guys think that this was something that was planned and vetted with the comms team at tesla or do you think that uh in palo alto all of a sudden people's phones started blowing up and and there was like scramble mode to to keep up with what was coming down well um i think in hindsight considering that the video was taken very early in the morning at palo alto headquarters and i very i was able to verify that so it's right at the if you if you watch on if you look on google maps 
and you go down to their um, uh, Deer Creek uh, facility down there, you can clearly see and compare it against the video that it was taken at you know at the very back end of the lot there where there's not a lot of people. Yeah, it kind of um, looked like the same spot that they ended that self-driving video that started at the Safeway. and, and That is their headquarters, yes. That's exactly yeah. where it is. Uh, it's just a little further back on the lawn there. So, um, Yeah, I, you know, in hindsight, when I really look at the situation and, you know, everything that kind of transpired, I think, I think Elon was just kind of itching to get this out there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he took, took the opportunity to maybe get on there and, and, and you know, start talking about it a little bit. But, uh, but I think in some ways it was also trying to temper people's expectations because obviously in, in, you know, Tesla has this penchant for secure, for, for secrecy. And, uh, you know, when you operate in this vacuum of secrecy, of course, you know, uh, all kinds of conjecture comes up and people go crazy with their expectations and stuff. So I think it's good that he came, that he came on and, and, uh, tried to, you know, put some voice or reason to the, you know, the speculation about the vehicle. But it, it it doesn't temper in any shape or form um, kind of my expectations or the uh, well expectations bad word um, my feelings about the vehicle and how important it is to the uh, to the company. So yeah, because a lot of a lot of people came away from the a lot of the commentary and you run a forum about Model Three, so you can share a bit about what you've been seeing on the forum. But as it was, I didn't experience it live as it was happening. I was in a totally different time zone. So I came back and got to read it all uh, after all the tweets had been posted. So I came back and then I was messaging with Mike and it was like Christmas morning because <laughs> there was all this, I came back, there was a video of the Model 3 running and a uh, terrible video, but that was fine. It was there. And then I started seeing these articles about the front fascia being updated. And so I started digging in on that. And then I saw the... They were going to start with rear wheel drive only, and then all these other details about people putting coolers in the trunk and you know, 50 <laughs> plus tweets about all the little details that had come out. And it felt a very much like the first few days after the reveal when he went on that big tweet storm talking about they'll be ludicrous at some point and all these other details. So I felt really excited about all this and all the extra info. And then when I looked at the commentary, it seemed as if people were very disappointed um, and frustrated uh, with what was mentioned and described. And so, yeah, reconciling that over the past few days mentally has just been interesting. And so I really wanted to chat with you uh, tonight and sort of focus the conversation less on the details of what was revealed, because lots of people now will know what, what was discussed. But really, why would Tesla make the decisions they've made um, based on what we now know about the performance stuff, the real-world drive stuff, the uh, battery pack sizing, um, and you know the the UI, uh, and possibly you know what what news there is for the lack thereof of a HUD most likely going forward. So, what 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 was your initial reaction experiencing the tweets, uh, and is that different than what you've seen on the forum that you run? Well, where do I begin? Um... I would have to go back and think that um, in, in a lot of ways, like uh, there were two pieces of information that Elon um, actually confirmed in there that I had been told um, through a couple of contacts that I have. One that was, uh, you know, that Tesla um, had announced, of course, at the last conference call that uh, their production numbers were going to be initially ramped up to get about to about 5,000. Um, per week, 5, right? Yeah, fi yeah, five thousand was the actual number that I was given, but I didn't want to say it publicly in case mm -hmm. it could be traced back. So I was just trying to respect, uh, you know, 
you know, anonymity as far as that was concerned. The other one that was interesting too, that was told to me in advance was that uh, rear wheel drive vehicles along with the bigger battery packs were the first ones that were going to be put into production. Now, I know that it was rather controversial when I put out the video and I said, well, look, I can't confirm this. This is what I was told. And uh, it appears that that's, you know, most likely what's going to happen here. Um, now, as far as production is concerned, I think um, the Model 3 program is still, it's still in flux in, in some respects um, in the sense that I think you have to put everything into perspective. And what I mean by that is the Model X production difficulties that Tesla has been experiencing, and of course with all the delays that they've had about that vehicle, is still very fresh in their corporate DNA and mind right now. They don't want a repeat of that. So when you put that into context and, and you see everything that they've been doing for the Model 3, it's an accelerated program because, you know, they're taking a lot of technology that they already know, even though that they have to re-engineer everything for um, economies of scale. That's the big thing because that's the only way you can get the cost of the vehicle down. Mm -hmm. um, but the other factors too is that the simplification of design. I know that Elon's been repeating this all the time, that it's a simpler design, simpler design. Um, and then you combine that with the fact that they're looking at new ways of manufacturing a vehicle, you know, phys um, you know, uh, physics first, concepts first, and I think that's the right term. Um, that when you take that all into consideration, that Tesla um, is really looking at this as an opportunity to really flex their muscles and really look at a different way of manufacturing the vehicle. So I think that's been one of the major items on on a whiteboard. If you were sitting in a boardroom, you you know, if you were able to read the whiteboard that that this program is all about making as many cars as they can as simple and getting and keeping the cost down. So if you take that all into consideration, I think it kind of makes sense. Um, combine that with the fact that, um, you know, they're skipping the beta stage. Now, skipping the beta doesn't mean that they're not going to be doing testing. They're still doing testing. It's just that they feel that the quality of the parts, most likely that are coming in, um, plus the production equipment that they've built, really. Uh, probably tells them that we're ready to actually go to the candidate, the production candidate stage, which is basically uh, production intent vehicles for all intents and purposes built on the same equipment that's actually going to make the cars. So having said that, uh, we're looking at, you know, a, a much more accelerated program than they've been able to do in the past. But the, you can only achieve that um, when you take the tenet of simplicity and, uh, and, and don't go overboard. Again, we don't want another Model X fiasco. Mm -hmm. So when you look at that, and of course, I know there's been a lot of talking about, uh, you know, this HUD thing. And of course, I'm almost as guilty as that because I've been a bit of a champion for this. But, you know, every time I, I, I've talked about the HUD, either on the Model 3 Owners Club show or on my private videos that I do, it's always been, this is a possibility. Um, keep in mind, Model S, Model X are the technology leaders. They're higher profit margin vehicles, and they can get away with newer technology first doesn't mean that it won't make its way to Model 3 eventually if they are in, indeed pursuing this technology. I believe they are in some respects. Um, but Model 3, I think in some ways, um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm jumping around a little bit here, but, um, you know, there's been a lot of discussion too about the interior of the vehicle and this, this thing about the HUD and so on and so forth. But I think Model 3, if you really look at, you know, the secret master plan part two, Part deux, yeah. <laughs> if you say it properly. I am French, after all. Um, that, you know, a, a full autonomy on this vehicle is really a tentpole feature. 
So when you put that into context, I think you're looking at a Model 3 being designed for, let's face it, they're not going to redesign this vehicle for the next six, seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. So why not take the opportunity to design a vehicle where everything about the vehicle, as far as the controls and how you interact with the vehicle, not the exterior, but the interior of the vehicle, um, really takes into account um, a self-driving future. So why not take the opportunity to simplify the vehicle's interior? Now, this is not the first time this has been done. Tesla simplified the Model S interior to the point where a lot of people feel that it's not, quote, luxurious enough for them. Um, if you look at Model X uh, prototype interiors, they were even simpler hmm. than the Model S. So I think this is just kind of like the third iteration of what they're looking to do as far as the interior is concerned. Um, of course, there's some cost savings involved. You know, there's only one computer. There's, you know, one screen instead of two. Um, going to a landscape mode, obviously, on the on the center screen gives them an opportunity to rethink the UI. And we haven't seen the, uh, you know, final results of that, of course. We got a little bit of a snippet of that at the uh, reveal event last year. So I think it, it gives them, you know, a, a real fresh take on what they can do. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to um, satisfy everybody initially, because let's face it, self-driving is still not here yet. Uh, it still requires regulatory approval. But if you take it into context that, look, they're not going to redesign the interior in the vehicle for several years, that, you know, it kind of makes sense if you think of it like that. So it's not going to please everybody, but I think it's a fresh approach. It, it doesn't bother me in the least. And when you look back at the reveal last year, and of course, we haven't seen the interior on the final production car yet, but I don't believe at this point that it's changed much. Um, you know, every so often when I have a little bit of time, I go back and look at the reveal event videos and... Uh, the one thing that I took from a lot of those vehicles, um, from those uh, test drives, I'm sorry, was that uh, two of the engineers that, you know, that are um, pretty public at Tesla is uh, Bernard Lee and uh, Doug Field. Mm -hmm. And they were both um, test drivers for that evening. And the one thing that I took away from these videos, uh, you know, people were peppering them with questions, is that they were, they were incredibly... Um, Resolute. Resolute and uh, on message <laughs> that um, we don't have a lot of time and this is what we're intending to go with into production. So right there, I think they were in some ways they were kind of setting the stage for what, what are we going to do when we actually go into production? Now, it's not to say that they haven't made any small tweaks here and there. We know that Elon's confirmed that they've been tweaking things a little bit, but um, Tesla has a history of, of shipping vehicles, the exterior of the vehicles doesn't change all that much. It's mostly the interiors that change. This being probably an exception because, you know, the time frame between showing a prototype and putting it into production is, you know, is literally a year, year and a half. Yeah, so. yeah I guess the, the thing that struck me um, after, after now thinking back on it and is that for, for Tesla and, and what Elon's talked about in the past and just in the tech industry in general is that in most cases, companies will release a higher margin version of a product first because the margin on any initial release products is always going to be lower. And so if you have the opportunity to, you try and release a higher margin attempted product, so more features um, first, to ensure you're not going to be losing money on those uh, initial versions, and then eventually introduce lower cost options um, that will have a lower uh, margin percentage, but you're going to be releasing in higher volume. And that's what Tesla's done in the past with the S and the X with the Founder Series. And not doing that now is 
intriguing um, because clearly this is their highest volume process, and yet they're going to most likely be. Uh, I mean, certainly they're they're leaving some money on the table by not doing the rear wheel drive and performance models at launch, which means uh, they, or at least my interpretation of that is that the ranked priorities of production smoothness and production ramp speed are outweighing uh, margin considerations, uh, which is interesting um, and different. And so I guess I'm curious, what... What, what's your take on why the change um, in, in that sort of philosophy? Um, because, well, do you agree that that is a, a fair characterization of how those priorities must have changed if, if that's what they're doing? I would tend to agree with you. Um, I think, you know, Elon had said in the past uh, last year that there, uh, you know, during a conference call um, shortly after the reveal event, that their intention was to do what they always did, which was to release higher spec cars uh, first, because mm-hmm. that's, you know, they re- recoup their costs and so on and so forth. But um, it's pretty obvious now that they weren't expecting the amount of reservations <laughs> um, uh, that they certainly got. So, you know, they've been pretty quiet about it, but I think in a lot of ways they've had to gump, you know, they've gone back and, and scrambled to figure out, well, how are we going to get to volume production as quickly as possible on this? So. I think that's been, you're right, it's been weighing very heavily on them. And uh, it's pretty apparent now that their um, end game on, on the vehicle is obviously to have, you know, a variety of different configurations. But in order to get the production ramp and get these vehicles out uh, on time, that they've had to scale back their their expectations as, as far as what they would normally do and uh, put, you know, more... Uh, higher end features on the on the vehicle at first. Now this is again this was something that was confirmed to me that they were going to do simpler configurations. Now, you know, obviously this is a you know a topic that's discussed a lot on the forum as well as on the internet, and um, I've had some time to think about that, and I've had to go back on the forum and and tell people that um, I think they've they've really had to rethink their their whole process as far as this vehicle. Um, one of the side benefits, though, of doing it this way is, uh, aside from getting the cars out, you know, on time and getting uh, the employees to test the vehicles as they said they would, is that there's a side benefit to this, is that when they actually do start selling the vehicles and delivering the vehicles, there'll be, you know, the lower end vehicles, um, that the press doesn't have something to harp on. The fact mm. that, well, here's Tesla, and they're selling a, a promised $35,000 vehicle, and it's X amount of dollars more than they said. Therefore, they were lying to us, and you know. So I mean, I'm I'm sure that that's not really uh, a major concern of theirs, but it is, I think, in some ways, a side uh, side effect of of doing this. So at least keeping the. I mean, <laughs> I don't know uh, how, what other way you can put it, but to me, I, I look at that as as a as a side effect of 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 doing it that way. But. Um, but I think everything is really going back to, you know, we, we, we really have to make sure that the, the cars are of, of high quality. Um, I mean, there's so many eyeballs on Tesla right now about this vehicle. They can't afford to have any missteps. I mean, can you imagine the amount of press that they would get, bad press, if they put out cars and they had a flaw in it and they had to do a major recall? Mm-hmm. It, would be, it would be disastrous for the, vehicle, for the car, for the company. 
Especially with the the reservations being completely refundable, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would just be a mess. So, uh, you know, and Elon's been pretty transparent about it, especially in the Model X days. We prefer quality over quantity. So, you know, there's a bit of a wrestling match. They want to deliver these vehicles. We want to keep customers happy. We want to getting the money coming in. But you don't want to sacrifice quality just to get the quantity up. So the two have to play hand in hand. And... Uh, I think I have to refer, you know, refer back to what I said before that a simpler vehicle allows for them to get to a higher production ramp quicker than they normally would, uh, especially if their design, especially if the the production process is markedly different from what they've done in the past. And I think that's one of the things I've actually taken away from some of the tweets that Elon's been saying, combined, of course, with as you know, uh, you know, Elon's been saying the machine that makes the machine quite a bit. That Our alien to, dreadnought. Yes, they're very focused <laughs> on this manufacturing. They they're they're hell bent on being the best manufacturer. Yeah. As 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 what they've said. So, I think the takeaway from this is that I think it's going to be a great car. Going to have a uh, you know, it's going to make people very happy with it. It's not going to have as many bells and whistles. I'm more interested in the design or in the production process. I want to see what they've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get to this automation situation. Now, of course, you know, they, they, they bought Groman Engineering uh, late last year. That plays into, you know, some of the manufacturing expertise that they're going to be getting from this company that they've purchased. Um, I don't think the results of that are going to be seen for probably at least mm, a year, a year and a bit, maybe, especially when they get to the second factory. But I think some of that uh, knowledge that they're, you know, that they've gained uh, from their initial production plans, you know, uh, as well as some assistance from Groman, is going to help them um, with this with this massively automated thing that they've been talking about. So, yeah, I think one of the um, one of the things, at least from our world and the software world, is that uh, very often at the beginning you have a whiteboard and you have all the features you want to do, and as the shipping <laughs> date gets closer and closer. Uh, the pen gets strike struck through uh, some of those features um, cut, because cut, cut, cut. cut scope. That's the phrase. <laughs> um, and when you choose not to cut scope, it doesn't linearly increase the amount of time uh, it's going to take to ship it. It exponentially increases the amount of time because you now are you have more and more mass of software basically that now needs to be tested again with new features. And it just, it's taking longer and longer and people get more demoralized because it takes longer and longer and it's not out there yet. And it gets harder and harder to fix bugs. And it's just as a mess. And generally the more you can chunk something up and have fewer features, uh, just be- the overall, it gets out faster, which is counterintuitive. Um, a lot of people think, well, why can't they just do this? Why can't they just add in the feature now? They they make dual motor cars. Why couldn't they just put figure out how to put another motor? They're going to do it anyways. Why wait? And in almost every case in any sort of building process, uh, if you do that, you'll actually almost always take more more time and it increases risk and increases complexity like de facto there's more complexity in a car that has two motors than one um and there's more complexity in a car that's going to be drawing more amperage from the battery at once um and putting higher strain on the battery and temperature cooling systems and so it as much as people uh who are hoping to to buy the highest performance car on day one and you know i think one of the challenges too is that at least in the the tesla community 
um, the people who are rabid fans and who lined up on day one over index on, on the people who would want to buy higher performance vehicles. And so a lot of people are probably getting a slightly distorted view of how many people really want those super high end vehicles. Um, because if you look at what the average selling price is for a car in the U.S., it's twenty-seven. I think it's twenty-seven thousand dollars. It might have croached up to thirty thousand. So even at the base price, it's above what the average selling price is for vehicles. So you know there's more and more demand for every few thousand dollars you can drop the price of a car. So uh, I, I just sort of wanted to so, uh, just sort of remind people and point out <laughs> that I I don't think Tesla is um, is being uh, dumb about this. And if, if they could magically release the features and have full confidence that it's going to be great, they would, they want to sell these high-end cars. That's not the issue. They're not trying to spite anyone. Uh, it, it's just around how do you increase the probability that this massive production ramp they want to achieve, that they have all these parts coming in. That's the other thing. Like, They've ordered thousands and thousands, like the parts for thousands of cars per week, and they've already shared what their ramp up plan is for those parts. So if they can't make those cars, those parts will be sitting around and they're going to have to pay for them. And it could put them in a massive financial like hole <laughs> if they have all these parts and their line is stopped because they, they have an issue with something on the car. And so if you know that the, the companies could go into bankruptcy if you had all these parts piling up and you can't produce cars, if you had a Model X situation at this volume, it, it puts the company at risk. And so you have to focus on production as top priority. How do we get throughput? And reprioritizing those, uh, those simpler cars is clearly safer for Tesla to do and increases the chance that they are successful, as you mentioned too, with meeting those targets because investors are, are more, more dubious that Tesla will actually produce thousands of cars a week than they are that Tesla could make another high-performance sedan. So if you're Tesla, the other benefit is that you get to prove you actually can produce cars because that's the real risk factor that everyone is concerned about, at least on in the investor community, is if you're producing 2,000 cars a week today, uh, and you say you're going to be producing 7,000 a week, the 5,000 plus 2,000, uh, that's a three and a half X improvement uh, increase. That's a lot to do uh, in you know six months. So if you're actually going to pull that off, that's the bigger hat trick, not adding another motor into the vehicle. Um, so that's, that's what I just find so intriguing is they've raised the bar for themselves um, and tried to increase the likelihood they're actually going to meet that. Um, so it sort of signals again that they, that's what they're actually trying to do and gives me more confidence. They're going to ship the car on time because they only have one model to test. They don't have two models to test the single motor and the dual motor. So if they've, they've got 90 days to test before their July one deadline, essentially, uh, to start real production for Tesla employees, that's, uh, that's still not very much time to make sure everything's good. And testing two or three versions would have uh, reduced the amount of time they could spend on each individual variant. So, Yeah, and uh, it's, it's not like this is versions of the iPhone where one of them might just have like more memory in it. This would be a whole extra or different like drivetrain in the front of the vehicle. Yeah, it's like iPads and iPad, iPhones, like totally different products and different battery, like just very different setups. Um, and, and they have new ventilation system. They have a new UI to test, like calibrating the sensors on this vehicle. Like there's still so much to do, 
even when you pull out those two features that I'm sure those seem like relatively simple things that they will be able to add and they have a lot of confidence, but to, to own to potential owners, they seem like daggers. Um, but like on the list of things they have to do, those are not, um, probably those, those are not like, uh, Mm, mission critical things for them to make sure are working uh or, or have available at day one like there's plenty of people who are going to want to buy that base model car um so I, they're not gonna have a demand problem for sure oh no um, <laughs> tesla does not have a problem with demand not for this car um not for this car <laughs> so, yeah that actually brings up a point though is it, there's been some kremlinology that their elon is m sort of maniacally trying to reduce interest in model three to goose sales for model s uh what's your take on that cynical point of view uh, uh so we for, should we should point out that this is in the uh, tech world this is called the osborne effect where you absolutely where like yeah. pre-announcing something coming up will cause people to stop buying whatever it is you're currently selling you you took the words right out of my mouth mike uh, oh yes, sorry absolutely we can delete that <laughs> no <part>. that's that's <laughs> perfectly fine um, no, there's, there's actually part of that. Don't forget, uh, Model S and, you know, to a you know, slightly lesser extent, Model X right now are paying the bills. Um, these are high profit margin vehicles is the only thing that they have to sell. Why would you kill something? I like, look, we know we have 400,000 reservations for the car. Why would we make the, the line longer when we haven't even started producing the vehicle yet? So play it down until you're ready to talk about it. This has been pretty much uh, Tesla's modus operandi for years. Um, when we're ready to talk, we'll talk. <laughs> um, until then, here's a great product you can buy. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not denigrating the Model 3. I don't, it's not like I'm saying it's going to be um, a terrible car. Uh, it has that Tesla DNA. It's going to be a great car to drive. It's going to have a, you know excellent safety on it, some really neat features. But uh, if you're thinking that it's going to be a Model S and it's going to exceed it for less than half the cost, um, you know, I got a bridge to sell you. It's not going to happen. Yeah, um, it's the same reason why BMW sells a lot of uh, three series, and they still have the seven series. Yeah, that that was the thing that was interesting because, as you mentioned, the thing that sort of started this tweet storm was Elon saying a lot of people seem to think it's the next version of the car, sort of like the next iPhone or something, and that each new iPhone typically has faster, it's better, and so you'd want the new iPhone. And then at one point, the uh, Apple introduced the five C, which was a lesser version of the iPhone at the same time. And um, that people sort of thought that, well, Model 3, okay, we've had Model S, which was one, if you're just naively thinking about it. Model X is two. Okay, now this is Model 3, the third one. So it's got to be better. Um, and that that actually isn't the case. It's, it's much more like, as you just mentioned, a more traditional car company uh, model and naming scheme where you've got base model versions of your car in your brand and then you've got higher end versions but oh by the way the model three or the bmw 3 series sells way more than the 7 series and the mm -hmm. a4 sells way more than the a8 even though the a8 and the 7 series have higher spec features more people find the 3 series to be a better fit for their budget and, and lifestyle so it's not bad it's just different and well, you it's, want, it's been um... interesting people haven't the, the people got confused about that was an interesting blindside for me because it just seemed clear that did, that's how it worked. But I, I don't did know. Did we ever see any receipts on that? Because that seems a little weird that people would get confused about that. Is, is well, that Elon had, yeah, well, Elon admitted that it was his fault for naming it the three because, you know, when you he said that, uh, well, other than the fact that Ford wouldn't allow them to use the E. 
that he said it was an unfortunate thing that it was my dumb my dumbness for naming it like that because people thought it was the next generation did you see anyone on the forum but but to your point did did, did, to mike's point did you see anyone on the forum who legitimately thought the model 3 would be better than the model s oh yeah there's the oh there's plenty people that thought that sure oh yeah but interesting (laughs) (laughs) but how yeah <laughs> well like i said if you operate in a vacuum then you're well the people's expectations get out of control when you operate in a vacuum so i, I mean uh, i guess uh, you could see where if it's smaller you might be able to think that it's kind of like a a miata situation where because it's lighter <laughs> and smaller it might have like more desirable performance characteristics maybe i i don't know i'm trying to try I've, to see the other i've side. always you know, uh, on the forum, online, anybody they've ever talked to, even a private, I've always said, look, the Model 3 is a BMW 3 Series competitor. The Model S is a 5 Series or a 7 Series. Um, that's the way you have to look at it. Yeah. Irrespective of what technology ends up in the vehicle or not, that's how the car is positioned. And if you want to see what a Model 3 is going to cost, go price out a BMW 3 Series. That's yeah, what that's it. up against. And price. <laughs> like, it's priced at $35,000. So, it just... Uh, yeah, well, I'll give it, you an example. Like a Model S in Canada is expensive because of the exchange rate, but they charge $1,500 Canadian for metallic paint. Now, <laughs> I know a lot of people that have been extrapolating, of course, some people made some videos on this, of course, on the Model 3 extrapolating, well, you know, it's a $35,000 car, but by the time you add all the features on it, it's going to be a $75,000, $80,000 car. Now, I will posit that it doesn't make sense to charge $1,500 for metallic paint on a $35,000 car. Uh, the pricing of options on the vehicle has to be more commensurate with the vehicle's base price as well as the target market you're going after. So I've always told people, look, expect the worst. Like, hope for the best, but expect the worst. If you budget that way, then you'll be in a good position. But I don't think it makes any sense for them to price these uh, uh, the options on the Model 3 anywhere close. I mean, autopilot notwithstanding, because we don't know what their intent is as far as, as that's concerned. But um, Did he say anything you know, about... It... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I made another point in the video, too, that, uh, you know, take, for example, the, uh, the self-presenting door handles on a Model S. Now, I happen to know that uh, uh, as a service part, those are $800 US each. So, you know, you got four of those in a car, that's $3,600. I mean, you can't put $3,600 worth of parts on door handles on a $35,000 car. That's 10% of the vehicle's price. So by necessity, you have to simplify a lot of the features and take a lot of the stuff out if you're going to meet your price targets. And the biggest one, of course, with the Model 3 is the battery pack. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, of course, that's why we know. Speaking of the door handles, uh, coming from Canada, this is a, we're here in California, so, you know, it's, it's always uh, nice. Lucky but you. Coming, <laughs> coming from Canada, uh, how do you feel about the door handles on the model three like i grew up in new england which is very similar climate and that immediately jumped out at me as something that might be a little problematic part of the year i I would agree with you in the sense that uh, a lot of people have brought up the concern um you know i always operate on uh, as like let me let me experience it in real life before i form an opinion on it uh that's always the way i operate so i'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt now you know, things like uh, defrosters on windows um, exist. Um, I don't see any reason why they couldn't put some kind of heating element on the door handle. I don't know how much that would cost. I don't know if it's on the whiteboard. Who knows? Um, I will tell you that, um, I mean, the amount of problems that I would have opening a door in the winter months are greatly exaggerated. <laughs> um, uh, you know, some of the comments that I see on the on the YouTube videos and on the forum is like, 
well, what about this? And, and people make the most crazy, you know, excuses for the stuff, like stuff that would never happen. Uh, and, and just because of that, I'm going to cancel my reservation. I what mean, if I was washing my car, Trev, and it's negative 10, and then I get locked out and my keys are inside and I, know. I don't have my cell phone? People are incredibly fatalistic about stuff. It's, 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 sometimes it gets a little, a little frustrating. But, uh, you know, like I was saying, the, the amount of problems that I would have in, in a Canadian winter, let's say in an ice storm, which might happen once a year if I'm lucky, uh, the door handles on my Lincoln, for example, or the traditional, you know, pull open door. I never have any issues with that. Um, we have a lot of Model S's. I mean, I counted probably 10 Model X's and 10 Model S's on my way home today in a short stretch, half an hour coming home tonight. We have you sure tons. you're not in Palo Alto? That's no, crazy. we have. <laughs> you know, you'd be surprised how many uh, Teslas are in the greater Toronto area. It's, I mean, there's a lot of money here. Hmm. So uh, there's, there's certainly no shortage of these vehicles, despite the high cost of the cars up here. Um, and I've spoken to lots of Model S owners and the freezing of the door handles is just generally not an issue. Now, of course, take it into consideration. These are self-presenting, they're motorized, so on and so forth. So I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on the Model 3 door handles. Um, I like the design. I think it's a unique approach. It is something that I've learned that is, uh, not new. It is something that was apparently designed by the Tesla engineers originally for the Model S and Elon flipped out. Didn't like it. He said he wanted the self-presenting door handles that they had originally uh, conceptualized. <laughs> so they kind of shelved the idea. And of course, here it is. It's resurrected in the Model 3 again. So it'll be interesting to see. But um, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's see what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously with a car being designed in California, you can't take everything into consideration. You can go to Tahoe. You can go to Tahoe. It gets <laughs> mm -hmm. it's snowing there. Waymo was uh, testing a vehicle there apparently today in the snow. Um, mm -hmm. That's for a different time. Um, so... Mm -hmm. Battery pack. People seem to be freaking out about battery pack options as well and range. Um, I've seen some people think it's going to get more range than the Model S. Um, some people definitely concerned about how it ranks up to the Bolt, which Mike and I got to test drive. I know you got to test drive it a bit too. Um, I did, yeah. So what, is, what do we now know about the battery pack and what do we expect the battery pack options might be or what the range of said battery pack options might yield? Hmm. Well, we do know that um, the battery pack in, essentially is, is new from the ground up, from the cells. Uh, we know they're going to 2170 cells by necessity um, because they historically use 18650 cells in their battery packs because, of course, when they started, that's pretty much all that was available commercially for them. So they, they adapted their, their battery technology around that cell. Now, it's not to say they have not made improvements to the cell over time. They have both in chemistry and uh, manufacturing processes. Um, in the case of the 2170 cell, um, you know, when they started the Model 3 program, they really had to go back to their drawing board and look at every single aspect of the vehicle and say, well, what would be the optimal cell size for a vehicle like this? Well, if we build it on U.S. soil and we make it 10% larger in both dimensions, therefore you get a cubic increase of about 46% on the cell, uh, better chemistry, so on and so forth, you're going to end up with X amount worth of value for that cell. Um, from that, then you can, you know, model your modules around that and physically, you know, your battery pack at the end of the day. So we also know that uh, some of the new organization cooling system that's, uh, that went into the... Um, 100? The new, yeah, the 100 kilowatt hour battery pack were precursors to what was going to be put into the uh, Model 3. So uh, we know what the insides look like, how much has changed on the Model 3, we don't really know. Um, my opinion is I don't think Tesla's really invented 
anything new about this. It's not uh, earth shattering. It's just optimization, optimization, optimization on the battery pack. Now, yeah. as far as sizes, uh, well, it's pretty much confirmed now that we're looking at a 75 uh, kilowatt hour battery pack on the high end. Um, it's not to say that they won't improve it in the future. Don't forget, you know, the Model S originally started with a 40 and a 60 and an 85, and now we have 90 and 100. So, um, you know, in the future, I'm sure the battery packs will increase in terms of size over time. Um, if I was to take a guess, now I don't have any inside information on this, so if I was to take a, a guess, uh, we're probably looking at maximum three battery packs, but more likely two. Yeah. Um, probably somewhere in the vicinity of 55, 60 kilowatt hour on the low end, and of course the 75 on the high end. I don't think there's enough margin in the vehicle to do some kind of software lock like they would do on a Model S, like a 70 that's locked down to 60. I don't, Didn't they I, just I really stop don't doing that on the Model S too? Well, the 60 has been discontinued. And I think okay. in some respect, and of course, I'm never going down a rat hole here, but I think in some ways the 60... <laughs> we have no problem with um, that. Yeah, <laughs> That's what we specialize in. <laughs> yeah, well, you can look at it a couple ways. It could be just, you know, what Tesla's saying, uh, we're, we're optimizing. Some some will say, well, they're just making room for Model S on the on the low end of the scale. Um, could be a combination of both. I don't, like I said, I don't, I don't really know what's what's typically going on there. All I know is just going to make the Model S more expensive where I live, <laughs> um, which is not cheap to begin with. Yeah, it seems, and we also know too, right, that um, the three, at least the last time we heard, which is almost a year ago now, that uh, will the the base model would be less than sixty kilowatt hours. Um, Based on Jeff well, Evanson. that was never that was never really confirmed. It was alluded to, and yeah. he said that, but nobody's actually really confirmed the size of the minimum battery pack. That's it true. Just, we're just looking at it from well. Let's look at the competition. What you know, if you take uh, the state of two hundred and fifty miles, three hundred twenty kilometer range on the base that they've said. Now, I don't think Tesla is really allowed to really talk about EPA range until they actually get final EPA ratings on it. So I think they're just kind of throwing it out there. Um, yes, we know that the bolts come along and it's 238 miles uh, EPA rated with a 60 with the 60 kilowatt yeah. hour battery pack. Um, so if you if you if you take that into consideration, we know the Model Three is going to be probably a little bit heavier than a bolt because it's a bigger vehicle. Um, I should mention to uh, as well that I do believe that um, and Tesla's been very very coy about this. They've been asked repeatedly about the metal makeup of the Model Three. They've been very coy about it. My understanding and my belief on this is that it's still going to be mainly aluminum uh, with more steel than what is used in a Model S in critical areas. So I, I still believe that most of the bottom of the Model 3 panels and the interior structure will be aluminum. Um, mainly because I think that Tesla buys so much aluminum that they get preferential pricing and they already know how to work with the material. Um, so if you take that into consideration as far as... Uh, you know, getting to production quickly and stuff. Let's not try and reinvent some kind of new alloy or try and work with, you know, fancy steel and stuff. There are some, uh, I mean, let, I don't know if you, did, did you happen to know that the, the bolt has mostly aluminum body panels? I guess you, you saw that. Yeah. The, it, that, it, yeah, that, yeah, we saw that. And then also that, but they were using like six different alloys or something in the, um, well, that's not uncommon. Construction. Yeah. That, that's not particularly uncommon. I mean, BMW is a mixture of uh, carbon fiber in the seven series. Yeah, I didn't think uh, so to bring a, a magnet with me to test it out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that was my plan. If I ever got to the reveal event, I'd just throw a magnet <laughs> in my pocket. Um, Are those body panels <laughs> steel or aluminum? Let me ding them and see if I can fix it with my little ball-peen <laughs> hammer. Yeah. Um, 
so getting back to the battery pack as we were discussing um my, my guess is that if you really look at it uh, i don't think it's unreasonable for tesla to be able to reach at least the same range as a bolt given th to that now you know it's it's been it's come up from um on the forums of course and on the internet many conversations about well tesla needs to beat the bolt and they need to beat the bolt on the range and and i keep telling people you know have you even driven a bolt have you seen what it's like uh these are very different vehicles I'll um, say the market, the markets, <laughs> the market are, is, is completely and utterly different on these vehicles. I, the Model 3 has so much more going for it than just range that you can't just say. And, and the biggest mistake that people make, too, is compare the Model 3. And I see this all the time in the media that they're comparing the Model 3 with the Bolt on price alone. And that is the biggest mistake you can make. Um, you've driven the Bolt. I've driven the Bolt. The interior is not. Uh, what I would say um, uh, appropriate for a vehicle of that price. Yeah, it's, it's really not high a end at all. Yeah. It's, it's good for seven, maybe a fifteen, eighteen thousand dollar car. It's, like I said, I tell I tell people it's a seventeen thousand dollar car with a twenty thousand dollar battery pack in it. Um, and I think that Tesla has the cost of their battery pack and their drivetrains lower than what LG Chem and uh, GM has been able to get on the Bolt. Therefore, the remainder of the costs that are going into the vehicle is going into the rest of the vehicle to make it a more entry luxury vehicle. Uh, it'll have a much better interior. It'll have much better technology and stuff. So if, if there's anything as a, as a PSA for most people out there, uh, stop looking at the price alone. Look at the vehicle target markets and go and compare the vehicles uh, that way. So as far as, I mean, look, the Bolt's only available in a 60 kilowatt hour battery pack. They're not going to have an option for an upgrade, at least not for several years. Um, we've seen, you know, the Leaf get an upgrade on the battery pack, the i3. It's not out of the question that they wouldn't do it. It's just, it's not an option. You just can't even get it today. So you, you have two trim levels and, and that's it. Now, Tesla, as we know, has always offered, at least with, starting with the Model S, several battery pack options and, of course, different interiors. And, and I don't see that as being any different with Model 3. Yeah. Um, however, and I think I did a video about this some months ago, uh, and I got a lot of flack for it too for even, um, you know, suggesting even the idea. suggesting uh, pricing and bundles. But the point of the video was lost on most people. Uh, the point of the video that I did was to show that uh, Tesla is uh, optimizing their choices as far as the combinations of the pack uh, of the options on the vehicle in order to help streamline things, and it's. It started to be evidenced on the Model X, and now it's filtered down to the Model S. And I think a lot of this is coming from, uh, you know, look, we're doing this for the Model 3. Why can't we do it with these other two vehicles? We've got all this data that says, well, people choose these combinations. Why would we make it a la carte? Why can't we just do this? And we just pocket the difference in terms of money on any cost savings that we do. So I think with Model 3, we, we may see, you know, we know that it's going to have... Well, Elon's confirmed. He hasn't said anything since. But things like, um, you know, air suspension and, you know, the metal roof and the all-glass roof and the sunroof, uh, some of these options. Now, how they package them together, I don't know. Uh, we don't even know how many of those are going to make the cut. Mm -hmm. um, he mentioned a, a tow hitch option last year. Hasn't said anything since about that. Uh, we know that it's going to have uh, some kind of roof rack capabilities for some people. So everything's up in the air. We don't have definitive information on that. Now, I would suspect that we will see that information leak quite fast <laughs> uh, once the configuration um, website goes online for the employees. So some of that stuff will, will, will surely leak. We'll have a better idea of what's going on. 
So a lot of the information's um, kind of up in the air, but at the end of the day, I think what we're looking at is a vehicle that's still going to be excellent vehicle to drive. It's going to have very good dynamics, excellent acceleration uh, and performance, uh, real real drive notwithstanding. Um, I mean, I mean, if you've driven even a model uh, 60, I have a friend of mine who just picked up a 60D, and it's plenty fast. And mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's a great car, and it's and it's heavy. I mean, Mike, you you almost wanted to turn off some of that crazy acceleration when you were <laughs> test driving, right? Like it was just, <clears throat> it's not something you want to use all the time. It's beyond my ability to drive. That's the problem. Well, I t- I test drove uh, a P90D Ludicrous when it first came out. I took my wife. I've told this story many times. Um, I don't like roller coaster rides. My wife lives for them. <laughs> and I took that thing for a test drive, and it scared the hell out of me. Um, it, I didn't like the feeling, that punch-in-the-gut feeling. I mean, it's fine the first time you do it, but after that, I'm like, I'm never going to use this. My wife was giggling in the back the whole time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't pay for Ludacris. It's, it's, just, it's just not in my DNA. I'm not saying that there's not... A market people talk for about it. yeah well there, no no there is a market exactly for it. i'm not yeah. denigrating the people that need that you know people want that uh we humans are g-force junkies it's not about top speed it's about the g-forces that's what we crave um and there's a market for that and i don't have a problem with that it's just not for me so or most cars clearly <laughs> for for me the, the problem was not so much how how fast i was moving it was how quickly the car in front of me was approaching me or the the closing distance i guess that was the when i was really coming up on the dump truck that was really uh, <laughs> when yeah, I getting around the yeah or getting around the vehicle that was beside you yes that part i really like actually my favorite feature about the car uh was the self-parking i love that <laughs> i'm terrible at that well, I'm most excited for the autonomy, so I can't oh, wait. Oh, me too. And, and again, as Mike has mentioned all the time, you, you don't want a self-driving car accelerating at 1.1 Gs, so no, <laughs> that's, no. that's not and fun as a passenger. Are, are both of you interested in the full self-driving option or just the enhanced autopilot? I, I would take the whole kit and caboodle if I could. I, yeah, I, would, I mean, my, I just want to be driven. I don't my care. dream is to actually have these like self-driving vehicles become cheap enough such that I can purchase five of them and have them operate as a motorcade. So I can always zip around like a diplomat <laughs> or I can I can get in the middle one and have two cars in front of me and two cars behind me. And we could just zip around like we're, you know, the president. Uh, or the something. Demo- you know what? It's, it's funny you mentioned that because the demographics I find are changing. Uh, my daughter's 16 and she has no interest in driving. She has no interest in owning a vehicle. Um, she's going to be one of these people that is going to be of this generation that will see self-driving vehicles or fractional ownership as something that interests them. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I that's why I like the interior of the Model 3 as it was shown. Like, I was hoping, mm-hmm. hoping that they didn't add more stuff to it. I was like, that looks great. There's nothing in it. <laughs> I was, yeah, I agree that's with exactly you. That's exactly what I want. I want a screen. I, I Why do we want ins- buttons? It's terrible. Yeah, when I saw the reveal event and they showed the interior, I went, oh my God, I'm like instantly attracted to that. I know a lot of people think, oh, you know, it should be a lazy boy and it should be plush and it should massage my butt and, and all this other <laughs> stuff. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm just in- intrinsically attracted to things that are simplistic in terms of their design. It's clean. It's a fresh approach. Um, the side effect too, of course, um, I mean, if you really pay attention to the interior on the Model 3 is that it really gives an air of um, wide openness. And uh, another example to that, I mean, if you've ever driven uh, a BMW i3, it's a tiny little vehicle, but the interior feels cavernous, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because they just simplified all the stuff. They just removed that center console and they took out, you know, flat floor, pushed the dash forward. It's, it's a very fresh take. It's not for everybody. 
but it just shows that uh, Tesla, in this case, is willing to take a little bit of a short-term risk in order to get to, you know, their future that they, as they see it in the next few years. So I, I like it. They're kind of skating to where the puck, or the, where they think the puck will be. It, 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 when I saw the interior and, and the lack of the, like the binnacle and no HUD, it, it seems to me somewhat like when uh, we like to relate everything back to Apple products here. And it seems a lot like when the iPhone first launched and, uh, you know, people thought it was crazy that it didn't have a keyboard on it. Right. But they realized that where we were going was the on-screen keyboard and then the phone can become something else. And it, it has a little bit of that feel to it where it's like, they're saying, you know, it might seem a little crazy now that there's only one tiny screen in the center, but you know, in five years, it'll be obvious that that's, of course, that's what you want. If you watch Tesla, a lot of the the way that they behave and how they do business is very, very parallel to to how Apple does things. They're a company that is not afraid to take bold statements, um, courage, if I was to use that word by Phil Schiller, um, to do what they think is the, is the right way, for better or worse. I mean, like I said, it's not for everybody, but they are certainly um, not afraid to take um, risks where they feel that um, it suits them. It's not, like I said, it's not for everybody. But um, like I said, I'll, I'll reserve judgment when we finally get the vehicle and to test drive it. Um, I, I, I like the interior. I don't have a problem with it. Um, like I said, the, the screen represents uh, an opportunity for them to rethink the user interface. Mm -hmm. um, I know there's been a lot of talk about where are they going to put the autopilot information. I've even said it myself. We have too. I've been perplexed about how to square <laughs> that uh, round peg with that square exactly. hole i guess and but. it and it just seems to be uh elon seems to think well self-driving is going to be self-driving you won't need to see that information so you know why put it into the vehicle we'll see did we ever get so i seem to recall in the last reveal or the last part of it or the part do whatever there was some talk of something being spaceship like was it the the steering wheel or the driving controls or he mentioned something about it being more like the real one would be more like a spaceship was that am i remembering that correctly that was a tweet last year that he made before they went and uh rethought their production oh okay so the spaceship he, is, is gone <laughs> Well, I'm thinking at this point that, well, look, um, I don't think the steering wheel, both versions that we've seen either on the reveal event or the one that was shown at the Avaya Stadium back in November of last year, um, if you recall, those pictures were put out there. Tesla had a big uh, third, uh, third quarter party and they uh, took the silver model uh, three alpha and they put it on display there and they changed a couple of things. Like they blacked out the trim on the, on the vehicle and changed the steering wheel to a different design. I don't think we've seen the final steering wheel on this, but I don't think it's going to be spaceship-like. I think we, you know, it's safe to assume that we're going to see a steering wheel uh, at least um, the same as a Model S. I mean, if it's if it's different, it, it could go either way. It could be more complex, could be a little simpler. Um, I I don't have any idea right now. I think the simplest thing for them is just to take the Model S steering wheel, put it on the car, and you know, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's probably one of those things that got left on the cutting room floor for, for the next variation, if they still think it's a good idea. Well, Elon's been made, ha, has said all along that we can't keep adding features to the vehicle because it's, we're going to end up with another Model X here and we can't afford delays. So um, part of, of the decision making process for the Model 3 is, you know, what can we, what can we make that's A, on time and on or under budget? And if it can't, we just have to wait for a future version of the vehicle. They understand that now. So my point about Model 3 is that I, I'm leaning more and more towards what they showed at the reveal event last year is what we're going to see in the production vehicle 
minus a few small tweaks here and there where it makes sense. Don't forget, when they showed the Model 3 um, uh, alphas uh, on March 31st of last year, the, the pens down, quote, that they had to do was only three and a half months away. You can't go back and re-engineer all kinds of vehicle um, technology and features in three and a half months and still make your deadline. It just doesn't happen. So they had to make some very hard decisions as to, you know, what can we do, what we can't we do, and uh, what can we put, you know, for future versions. So I think that's weighing, you know, quite heavily on their decision-making process. Yeah, well, and tying it tying it back to the Apple, I mean, people forget the iPhone didn't ship with apps and it didn't even have cut and paste when it when it shipped and it still ended up doing okay. Or an undo. <laughs> or video. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, in the arc of the Model 3 program, to your point, Trev, about it being you know, a five to seven year program, um, at least by the time we're seven years from where we are now, it's going to be a very different car. Um, but the bones, the structure of it need to be correct now, the same way that the model S has, uh, had pretty strong bones and has gotten to where they are now from whatever five and a half second initial zero to 60 to crazy 2.4 kind of levels and updated, new seats like twice um three times three times yeah like so they've just they they iterate on cars in a very different way than traditional automakers do and don't sort of follow those same mechanics and and i think people still generally aren't used to that idea and are um sort of in in disbelief and it i understand it from the point of view that you're making a very large purchase and most people want to own a car for at least three years and hopefully six if they're buying it and so it doesn't help them that Tesla makes it better a week later. Um, but from Tesla's point of view, making the car better, making it more valuable, uh, chunking things up into smaller pieces is better for Tesla um, and does make the car more valuable for the next incremental buyer, which is ultimately what they you know care for as long as people want to buy a Tesla again. And all indications point to Tesla, Tesla owners wanting to buy a Tesla again the next time they buy a car. So... I think, you know, for me, the way I, 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 A, I didn't really care about all wheel drive or performance because five seconds, six seconds, whatever is fast enough for me, uh, zero to 60. And, uh, I'm, I'd be happier with a less expensive vehicle. Uh, I just wanted to get it sooner, uh, so that then I could, <laughs> so then I could get into the next one in three years faster. Um, so yeah, I, I'm all about probably leasing it or whatever, just to, get it more frequently the same way i get a new iphone pretty frequently mm -hmm. just to get into the new tech like i that's fine and eventually i won't even have to buy it i'll just use the tesla network and get the freshest <laughs> tesla ones uh, that they've yeah. they're putting into the fleet yeah i um i'm leasing my current vehicle right now and i did it on purpose uh, mainly because my previous vehicle was on its last legs and i said well look i know i you know i'm full in on this model 3 but i don't want to be committed to anything so um, I timed it in such a way, thinking that uh, Tesla was going to be late. Uh, <laughs> my lease expires in April of next year, but it looks like, uh, you know, being in Canada and, you know, this rear-wheel drive situation stuff, I think the timing might still work out in my favor. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But um, I'm committed to actually buying the vehicle this time. Mm. Um, I have uh, quite a bit saved up for this thing, so it should be, uh, should be, I should be able to get a pretty decent one i put a lot of miles on the car yeah what 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 are you thinking you want in your car i don't know if you've talked about this in your videos but i'm always curious what people what are you personally interested in separate I have from what my, others you know what i have my interests um i'm i'm a little look, until i see the actual product mix i can't make up my mind exactly i have i have some wishes 
Part of me doesn't want to reveal all that yet because I'd like to have maybe a little contest like guess Trevor's Model 3 configuration, <laughs> win a t-shirt or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, bigger battery pack is is a given. Yeah. Um, you know, colder climate, obviously you understand that range loss in the winter is something that's real and exists. Um, you know, uh, all glass roof. I'll yeah. give you that. I'd like to have that. I mean, I have panoramic on my current vehicle. I never open the sunroof, so sunroof means nothing to me. I just got to have all that glass. I, I like that. And where do you come down on the uh, autopilot type features? Um, yeah, no. Um, yeah, enhanced autopilot to begin with. The full self-driving thing um, to me is the, the cost delta um, between enhanced autopilot. Um, I think at this point is something that I would probably upgrade, you know, in-app purchase mm -hmm. later on. Just um, wait and pay that little penalty. Yeah, exactly. I can't see myself spending all that money right now without seeing the full capabilities and, and, and justifying whether I, I would actually use it at the end of the day. I think in um, what they've announced for um, enhanced um, autopilot, uh, for me, uh, strikes a good balance for, for my needs. But things can change. I mean, that's one of the advantages of the Tesla, of course, is in-app purchases. You want this new feature that's uh, software upgradable? Well, push the button, and there you have it. So uh, to sort of wrap up, we've got 90 days. So we've got April, May, and June, the full month of June, because they want to start production July 1st. So we'll, we'll take them at their word well, that that's, they still that's intend. Yeah that's, the, yeah, that's the hopeful date, uh, assuming everything goes perfectly and not everything will go perfectly. Correct. Uh, but we don't know what the not everything going perfectly date would be, so... They have to work under the assumption that things go perfectly. Otherwise, they're in de facto causing it not to go perfectly. So their schedule has to say they have 90 days left. What do you, what, what do we expect is going to be happening in these 90 days? And what, what are you most, what do you think from where you sit are the long pole items that you're watching for as smoke tests that things are coming off the wagon the wheels are coming off the wagon as it well, were well the most the most obvious one is uh seeing production can more production candidates starting to be driven around the palo alto area fremont's not the place to see them they test their vehicles i've watched the model s and the model x development very very closely during those years and uh they were the vast majority were always sighted around the palo alto headquarters so if anybody's out in that area that's the place to be looking. I'll be um, there each weekend. Yeah, I went yeah, there. I went there. I literally went there last mm, two weekends ago mm -hmm. on Saturday morning, and uh, th I can tell you that the parking lot was about seventy-five percent full on a Saturday afternoon. Mm -hmm. So there, oh, were, yeah, there were a lot of people working there. Uh, and I drove around and I looked. They at They don't every, have enough parking there. Yeah, I, I drove around and looked at all the spots. There was there were no Model Threes out there, which was expected but sort of just starting to hope that maybe some will be driving around so now that they at least have one or two uh well I'll, I'll be i'll be trying to scope them out and send you photos if they pop up but we'll, we'll be we'll be monitoring closely we're about where i am right now is about half a mile away caleb let's go over and, and like stuff a, a camera in the bushes or something uh yeah we should there we should fly a drone <laughs> gopro yeah. you just put a time-lapse camera a drop cam or something and a, a little solar panel. We can put it up in a tree. We can do this. <laughs> We're not going to do that if any from Tesla's listening. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. I think the other indicator would be um, some more reports of uh, contracts being awarded. Like I started getting some notices from some companies in Germany. Uh, you know, the, uh, the the cable from the company in Germany there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, stuff like that. I'm, I'm starting to get um, some tips on that stuff now that uh, the contracts are being awarded, the parts are being, you know, um, starting to be, you know, put into production and stuff. So um, 
I mean, that's not something that necessarily people would see, but the indicators are there that the, you know, that, 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 you know, the big machine is starting to, um, is starting to roll, um, on this. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I think, like I said, the, the most obvious one would be more production candidates be driven around. Um, I would also caution people to um, not criticize the vehicles too much. I remember in the Model X days that many of the production candidates were driven around and people were lamenting crazy amounts that, oh, the door handles don't line up and the panel gaps are bad and, you know, the hubcaps <laughs> look like crap. And I mean, people were just going crazy thinking, oh, this thing's going to be a piece of you-know-what. Um, no, you, you have to give Tesla some slack. These are, you know, uh, but Elon did say that the production candidates of the Model 3 they're coming off the line were way better than they were ever able to achieve on the S and the X. So I think that speaks to some of their manufacturing, their design maturity at this point. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the main thing is just keep an eye out for these things. I think, that, no, they're definitely on time. Barring some kind of really big problem or some, you know, supplier really dropping the ball. Um, that we're really going to start seeing this. And obviously the markets are starting to react now. I mean, Tesla's price is through the roof now. So, Yeah. So, uh, Mike, as the, yes. did, you, did you read the entire tweet storm or were you just sort of seeing, you saw some of the tweets after the fact that came through uh, the, the retweet world? I saw them on, on tape delay when you started pointing them all out. All right. Yeah. So was there anything from there that stuck out that was mm, like, big big change in your mind or anything any final thoughts about that tweet storm and its implications for the success or failure of the model three <laughs> no i mean it, it lined up with what i would expect I, I thought it was probably a little bit weird that people would expect that all models and all variations would be shipping on day one it seems kind of obvious that they would pick uh they would strip down the number of of variations and and just try and ship the the simplest thing to get rolling um that seems yeah I, that's kind of what i was expecting so yeah i i think uh no i i didn't find anything too uh too exciting about it i mean it, the the big takeaways seem to be yeah that there's going to be one one version shipping and that it's not going to outperform the more expensive model s and which you know those those seems pretty obvious to me and and doesn't seem like uh huge news so yeah yeah and perhaps one of the reasons why it wasn't really talked about that much because it is possible that Tesla and team just sort of, because that's, as, as that's more recently become their plan, it, they didn't necessarily think to communicate and obviously was something that sparked Elon hearing all these other people uh, expecting otherwise and wanting to yeah. set that record straight ahead of seeing the configurator and flipping out uh, and not <laughs> hearing it directly from him. And so uh, yeah, I, exactly. I did find yeah. it. I, Sorry, I, I thought also, oh, I was going to say also, I thought that the, the lack of any mention of the HUD made me, made me wonder what you would think of it. So I guess I'll throw it back <laughs> at you. Like, what did, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I was, um, yeah, the, not having the performance and dual motor made, made sense to me once it was clear that they were most carefully concerned about production ramp. Um, so once that, once that was more clear and, the the high amount of production they wanted to do yeah that made sense to me um not not a surprise and not something i'm particularly uh concerned about um and so i'm not waiting a year to to get that um so i think if i were you know hell-bent on getting a performance version i'd be quite upset uh but but not at tesla necessarily just sort of 
upset that I have to wait another year. So I totally understand people who are upset by that because they wanted to get a performance version. Um, I do think it's possible that buying the lower end version and reselling it might still work out to be a wash or at least potentially be worth a thousand or $2,000 depreciation that you're going to fit uh, if you really <laughs> feel like that. Um, cause you'll now be a model three owner. Um, but yeah, the, the technology stuff and the HUD, you know, saying no technology that isn't yet in the S and X will also not make it to the three was a very tricky way of sort of non non denying denying a HUD um, <laughs> and that uh, you know a, a sort of repartee with the guy from electric about well you don't need a two screens one screen's fine he's like well but if it's it's not fully self-driving yet so you really do need this info and he's like well there's still one screen so that makes and it very also clear that You'll have a neural interface now, so you, you yeah. <laughs> again, again, probably not in the six months to the to the launch, but the, yeah, all that information is going to be on that one screen. Um, so I'm just really curious what that UI is going to look like. Um, obviously, there was the small little stamp or you know little square in the top left corner uh, at the reveal event, and people asked, "Is that the final UI?" And they said, "Well, we're not. That's not the final UI. We'll reveal the final UI as we get closer." So. You know, is it going to be that floating sort of modal in the top left? Is it, are they going to use sort of a, maybe a top section above the controls um, so that maybe like all the, all the uh, sort of nav moves into the side panel and then the binnacle basically is the top half or top section, top third. I'm, I'm really curious what that looks like um, and how that performs. I, I believe it'll be possible. I think they would have tested this from a human machine interface type point of view and their designers were sitting in cockpits testing it and being like, yeah, this seems reasonable. Like I, I, they I might just be doing that now too, right? You don't need as big of a, I mean, the manufacturing can be locked down and they can still be working on the UI for uh, up until November or whatever. Exactly. So if they're, if you're exactly, if you're at high speed and like they can sense if there's a passenger in the seat to you, like to your right, it's like, well, we're going to show the, I'll take over the entire screen with HUD or sorry, with, um, you know, binnacle type information. And then if you touch it, it, it slides up and it reveals your music or whatever. Like that information, it, it could be completely dynamic the same way that the iPhone can adjust based on what the, you need. So one of the things that I took away from the reveal event, if you pay attention, is that uh, they made the nav as the background. All the nav information was really the whole screen of the vehicle. And then they had modal uh, panels on top of that for the other information when you needed it. And then when it was dismissed, it was always the nav sitting as the background. So, you know, of course, there's going to be tweaks to the UI and stuff, but it shows an interesting direction that they're taking um, with that, at least at the prototype stage, showing that we think that self-driving is important enough to show you the nav primarily. So. Yeah, and I do think that the situational awareness that you get in the Model S or X with what's nearby, what lines are of it, like when auto steer is available and whatnot... I do think, obviously, the prominence of that will have to adjust. But even even in the existing UI, they've made adjustments to you know making the steering auto steer icon and uh, the tack icon more visible, uh, increasing the brightness of it, changing the lines and all that. So they're certainly paying attention to what it feels like to be driving the vehicle and what you need to do. The one oh the one thing that did scare me though uh, from the tweet storm that most people didn't talk about was it. Elon said he plans to continue driving the Model S as his daily driver. <laughs> and as, as someone who 
uh, in the software world, if you don't use a product, uh, it usually isn't going to be as good <laughs> if you're the one who makes it. And so uh, I'm sure he's using it a lot now uh, or will be using it a lot now, but... Well, um, he did say he was going to be first in line for the all-wheel drive. That's true. So <laughs> I, I do think it's a little... He'll still have one. <laughs> he'll still have one. But uh, what I definitely believe Steve Jobs had the, the latest iPhone in his pocket all the time and was very oh, yeah. concerned. So that is interesting, right? Like he doesn't use the X. Um, he has said that the X isn't quite as good of a model as a, as a crossover, as a as a S, as a sedan. So it, that was the one thing that's a little bit um interesting i guess is that that he won't be feeling all the pains of the model 3 people um but i i expect he'll use it for quite a while i mean i don't think johnny ive is using the iphone se so it's still a good phone but well it's interesting the model x was developed because you know as you know elon has five kids and he used to own an audi q7 and he said well it was always a pain getting the kids in and out of the car why can't we do something better of course you know falcon wing doors were born of that necessity but you know, you know, things have progressed. Maybe he doesn't need something quite as big. I mean, that's why, you know, the Model S also has seven seat option too, because of his kids. So a lot of that um, is born out of necessity. Now, if you look at a Model 3, of course, it doesn't have seven seats and stuff doesn't need to. It's not big enough, of course. So yeah, I think Elon, you know, sees the Model S as, you know, that's his baby. You know, that's, that's where things start and he has an affinity for it, just like somebody would have an affinity for another vehicle, even though you might covet something else. My dad has uh, two, set, uh, two classic cars and uh, ask him to pick which one he likes. I'll tell you which one it is. I won't, I won't reveal it now because I'll probably <laughs> do a video on that later. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, and he has a daily driver. So it, it doesn't mean that you know, you, that uh, at the end of the day, you must drive this because it's the latest technology. You, you have your favorites and stuff, but uh, Model 3, I mean, go ahead. Oh, do we know if Elon even drives his own vehicle? Is he, does he have a driver and maybe the Model three, Model S being larger is, is Oh, no, better? he likes to drive. Oh, no, okay. he loves He's not drive. chilling in the backseat. Well, I mean, tunnels notwithstanding, but he, no, he <laughs> loves to drive. He, remember, he used to have a McLaren F1. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like that when I was driving the X. I almost felt like I was about to spin out. Uh, the um, I guess the counterfactual to my previous point would be that more uh, Tesla employees will be driving the Model Three than Model S and X uh, in pretty short order. Um, and so, I think it's it's certainly certainly true that people working on the Model Three will be driving the Model Three. Uh, so so that's fine and. It, I think there's a good side benefit to that though too because if you're on the production line uh, you don't know which one of these cars could be yours so true make sure that you do it right you don't want the the roulette <laughs> to uh go russian style on you and get exactly. the bad one I'll, I'll put this trim on nice and straight because this might be my car and the spacex employees we can't forget about them they're also included and in Solar this City. yeah they're all included in this early access program so it's um Correct. quite a lot of of people um and uh yeah not not too many people in bad cl climate i mean solar city will have some but Again, it doesn't. It, solar panels don't index too high for t terrible weather. Uh, I just want to throw a little something out there. I have been told, and I can't reveal the exact number, but the amount of um, Tesla employee reservations for this car is a lot less than people think. What do you do? You have any sense for what that's due to? I have no idea. I wasn't told. How many employees know, does Tesla have? Know, I mean, look. Let me ask you. How Tens many of thousands? <laughs> Uh, of employee no. tens of thousands of employees so i would no. get uh, that's not what i was told yeah no so, so sorry i'm saying there are tens of thousands of employees so correct but if you of were to the take percentage a... yeah what would i guess i would guess maybe 15 percent. so maybe two thousand. 
So Wikipedia says they have 30,000 plus employees. Correct. That seems but really as, high. Yeah, but, uh, but let's just say Tesla employees themselves. Take the engineers, take the you know, production line workers and stuff that, um, you know, of, of those, I mean, well, 30,000 employees is worldwide. I mean, you got to yeah. think about California. Well, like California, how many of those do you think have Model 3 reservations? I'm going to guess it's going to be definitely under 1,000. So yeah, I, I would say 500 like, to 1,000. Yeah, like maybe 300 to 600, probably. Oh, well, you're surprising me. I thought you were going to be much, much higher. It's actually higher than that. Okay, there you go. Uh, that's what I was told. I can't, I, can't, I can't say for sure because I'm not able to corroborate it, but I was told that it's... Uh, Less than what I would, you know, if, if you were to ask me, uh, not knowing this information, supposedly, that, um, yeah, it's not as much as people would think. Yeah, I definitely I, think people are expecting it to be tens of thousands, but I don't, I don't, I don't just, I just can't imagine that many people are ready to buy a car, have the resources. They have a lot of sales staff who don't make a ton of money. They have a lot of production people who don't make a ton of money. So a $35,000 car is still... Uh, yeah, I mean, Elon's not out there like Oprah income. saying, you get a car, you get when, a car, you get a car. Well, and don't forget, they don't get discounts either. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, everybody I, pays the same price. It will still be a pretty good fleet. Um, and 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 then to your point too is, uh, they're gonna they get to be able to say they delivered the first car for sale, and then they get to choose when they start offering that to real uh, outside unaffiliated customers. So, I feel pretty good that the cars they actually ship to to folks, barring any recall issues that are unknown, will be. Uh, of higher quality than the SNX were when they went to their first outside customers. So I'm not, I'm not afraid from that point of view. I, um, I would agree with you. So I think people are, um, who are concerned about the shortened test period, uh, the fact that they are using production equipment sort of it should be a really strong indicator that that quality is already, um, that, that anything they find will have to be fixed for real versus fixed in beta and then fixed again in production potentially like testing on your staging environment is not the same as production if you have well i was just to make the point that they have been testing subsistence for for a long time now it's not just like okay we're gonna make all these parts then throw it in a car and then test it right it, it doesn't always work like that but um no i no i agree with i agree with you 100 percent. the uh the quality of this vehicle is going to be uh, quite good right off the production. I'm not to say that they won't have little issues and stuff, but their tactic of using, um, you know, first deliveries in California for existing owners as well as employees is, I think, in a lot of ways for Tesla is a sound is a sound yeah. decision. It seems smart. So cool. Um, any closing thoughts, Trev? Uh, you know, now being a few days removed from all this news, and what do you expect will be our next uh, next set of news? What should we expect coming down the pike? Uh, that's hard to say. I mean, the uh, one-year anniversary is literally four days away, so I don't know if there's any parties to be had out there about that. But uh, um, no, I, I think um, you know, think it probably would be a little bit of a quiet period. I mean, we're still going to get information leaks here and there because you know you can't keep things under wrap forever. But we'll we'll probably get a little bit more information as things get closer. Um, but I think that the next big thing, other than seeing more candidates on the road, is uh, some information on the employee, um, you know, configurator when it goes online. That will certainly break some news, and much like the Model X did when uh, reservations, or not reservations, but the configurator opened up for signature owners. Uh, we got information, you know, just like that yeah. on that. So I'd be able to see uh, the options and, of course, the pricing. So, um, yeah, that that will probably be the the next bit 
uh, big piece of information that will come about. And that's probably and, sometime uh, in June, we're thinking. Yeah, my guess would be June because they have to have a little bit of a lead time for the employees to make their configuration. So that would be probably my best guess. All things, all things being equal, production being on time, that June would probably be the, the most likely month we would see that information. Cool. Cool. Uh, Mike, any, any closing thoughts for tonight's episode? No, no, I think that I think that about sums it up pretty well. Uh, I'm a little bummed about the spaceship thing, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> cool. Um, well, thanks so much for, uh, for taking some time tonight, uh, to chat through this with us and, um, hope to have you on the show again when we get some, an, a big batch of new model three news and, um, yeah, just thanks again, Trev. No problem. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. And maybe we might even meet up sometime when they go to the big delivery event. Who knows? I know. We'll, we'll see. Tesla PR. Will they bless us? Um, <laughs> well, keep my fingers crossed. Keep your fingers crossed. Too. We're very close by. Uh, we, you do not have to pay for travel, Tesla. We're, we'll just, we'll just, <laughs> we have our own transportation. We know how to get there. It's, it's the Caleb and Mike shuttle service. It's very easy. Um, well, cool. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, where can people talk to us, Mike, if they have thoughts on the show? Yeah, if you'd like to join in, uh, we have our shows posted at our website at theteslashow.com. Uh, you can tweet at us if you'd like to compose a tweet on twitter.com. Uh, we are at the Tesla Show, and we have a subreddit at reddit.com at r slash the Tesla Show. And Trev, where can people follow you and, and see what you're up to? Well, I'm quite active on Twitter. The handle's at Model 3 Owner. Or, yeah. Model 3 owners. And our uh, our forum online is model3ownersclub.com. That's probably the best places to find me. Cool. All right. With that, uh, see you later, guys.